Do you, Ms Holgate, consider it appropriate to use taxpayers' money to buy Cartier watches for already highly remunerated Australia Post executives? Mr Speaker, earlier today, when this was brought to my attention uh, by the report of Senate estimates, I was appalled. It's disgraceful. And it's not on. And if the chief executive wishes to stand aside, well, not wishes to stand aside, she's been instructed to stand aside. And if she doesn't wish to do that, Mr. Speaker, she can go. There is nothing like Christine Holgate. Her leadership, her quality, her passion, it made a difference to Australia Post. The campaign to reinstate Christine Holgate as CEO of Australia Post has broken the back of the fraudulent scandal against her. Now we see a rush of prominent figures standing up to acknowledge the injustice that was done. There is a supercharged political backlash against the Morrison government and it's gaining momentum. This creates an opportunity to achieve the ultimate win-win solution for the nation and Australia Post People's Bank. My name is Glenn Isherwood of the Citizens Party. The fight to exonerate Christine Holgate is an essential component of the fight to create a more just and accessible banking system for all Australians. The best vehicle to accomplish this is to establish Australia Post as a national postal bank. More about this later. First, we will present the evidence that Christine Holgate was targeted for character assassination because she represented a threat to the corrupt banking monopoly of the big four Australian banks. Recall that the 2018 Banking Royal Commission found the big four banks' practices amounted to the face of unconscionable greed. The Commission uncovered shocking corruption by the bank's staff, including faked payslips, forged documents and cash-stuffed envelopes used as bribes to secure loans. Research by the investment bank UBS estimated that up to $500 billion in mortgages could consist of so-called liar loans, or nearly one-third of all mortgages. Bank officers encouraged applicants to fraudulently inflate their income so as to maximise the likelihood they would be approved for the mortgage. This is the meaning of the term lie alone. Bank officers, of course, receive fat commissions on these loans. As the Financial Review reported, the crimes of the big four banks also included charging people for perhaps a billion dollars or so of services they never received. So, bribery, forgery, $500 billion in liar loans, a billion dollars in fraudulent fees. How many bankers went to jail? None. What does that tell you about the political power of the big four? And what did Prime Minister Scott Morrison say about the crimes of the big four, as revealed by the Commission? Incredibly, he said, the Banking Industry Royal Commission hasn't uncovered any bad behaviour that the government didn't know about. Wait, what? He knew about it all along? 
add that incredible statement to the fact that Morrison was opposed to creating the commission in the first place. As treasurer, he voted against forming the commission 26 times, dismissing it as nothing more than a populist whinge. What does that say to you about Scott Morrison's relationship to the Big Four? Morrison knew about bribery, forgery and billions of dollars of fraud all along? So what do you think? How would you describe Scott Morrison's relationship to the Big Four banks? Now let's return to the story of Australia Post and its CEO, Christine Holgate. In 2018, Christine Holgate directed a successful drive to get the Big Four banks, along with some smaller ones, to pay Australia Post $100 million annually to reimburse Australia Post for banking services it had provided to Australians who had been abandoned by those banks. Led by the Big Four banks, these banks shut down hundreds of their smaller branches in order to maximise profits. Without Australia Post, these rural customers would have had no meaningful access to banking services. Take a look at this map. The red dots indicate licensed post offices that are more than 50 kilometres away from the nearest bank branch. As you can see, they're right across the country. Even more alarming for the Big Four than the $100 million annual concession, in 2018 Christine Holgate was reported to be in talks to make Australia Post into a bank. The big banks saw this as a threat to their monopoly and as this report puts it, they will fight it tooth and nail. Can you see why Christine Holgate was a threat to the banks? In November 2018, Christine Holgate rewarded the four executives who negotiated this $100 million annual concession from the banks by giving them Cartier watches. The amount spent on the watches totaled $20,000. In October 2020, Scott Morrison took to the floor of Parliament and in a cheap piece of political theatre, he demanded Christine Holgate resign, saying the use of taxpayers' money to buy the watches was disgraceful and ordered Christine Holgate to stand down pending an investigation. And that was that there had to be an independent investigation done by the department, not by Australia Post. The independent investigation should look into the conduct of the board members and their governance as well as the actions of the management and the executive, that report will come back to me and my members of my cabinet. And if, Mr Speaker, there are issues to be addressed with board members, then they will be addressed then, Mr Speaker. Well, now the investigative report has been completed. And it concludes Christine Holgate broke no laws or rules. The report was conducted by the Maddox Law Firm. Note, this law firm was hired by the Morrison government. The report says quite clearly, there is no indication of dishonesty, fraud, corruption or intentional misuse of Australia Post funds by any individual involved in the matters relating to the purchase and gifting of the Cartier watches. However, in a disgusting gambit to continue the character defamation the report argues that since there are no specific rules governing the rewarding of executives for performance with watches, 
Therefore, according to the report, Christine Holgate did not do the right thing. So Christine Holgate did something wrong because she failed to follow a rule that didn't exist. Everything about this report, apart from making clear that Christine Holgate broke no laws or rules, is highly suspect. It was released at 4pm on the Friday before Australia Day, a classic attempt to prevent it from being noticed. No one who was interviewed spoke under oath. Some people spoke only on condition of anonymity. Four people refused to be interviewed at all. What are they afraid of? Certainly not Christine Holgate. Might this suggest that they were afraid if they didn't say what Scott Morrison wanted them to say, they'd be in big trouble? Adding to the picture, John Stanhope was the Australia Post chairman of the board when the watches were purchased in 2018. He admitted he agreed to reward the executives and that they deserved it, and that the amount of the reward was not an issue. He also said, I do think Christine has been caught in some kind of wider play. Isn't it clear this is a deliberate witch hunt targeting Christine Holgate for defamation? Think about it. Well-informed sources have confirmed that the cost of the Maddox report and related legal expenses of Australia Post run into the low millions of dollars. All of that to investigate $20,000 in watches? Christine Holgate has been crucified in the press for saying she did not spend taxpayer funds. Take a look at the official government website for Australia Post. As you can see, it says quite clearly, Australia Post is required by law to operate commercially and does not receive funding from the government. To put things into perspective, let's now take a look at Christine Holgate and her performance as CEO and compare it with her predecessor. Previous to Christine Holgate becoming CEO of Australia Post in 2017, the prior CEO was Ahmed Fahour. In 2017, Mr. Fahour was paid $5.6 million annually. Christine Holgate in 2020 was paid $2 million annually. So, Mr. Fahour was paid almost three times more than Christine Holgate. Under Mr. Fahour, Australia Post had its first year of financial loss in 30 years. Reports indicate losses of $200 million. In order to balance the books, Fahour started selling off assets, a process fairly called self-cannibalising. In fact, under Fahour in 2017, the historic Sydney General Post Office was sold off. Fahour left as CEO in 2017 with an $8.7 million bonus. In 2012, Mr Fahour famously took 78 people to the London Olympics for a junket costing Australia Post $2.5 million in plane tickets and expenses. Crucially important, under Fahour, the licensed post offices, which are family-owned and run small businesses, were going bankrupt. This story was run on Channel 9's A Current Affair in February of 2018 and featured a licensed post office owner, David McIntyre. 
This suburban Australia post office has become a living hell for David McIntyre and his wife, Jan. The busier you are, the less you're earning. That's and the reality that is, here. That is a reality. Yeah. They have robbed us of our retirement. Mum and Dad investors put their life savings into a government-run business, and this is what we've copped. They should be ashamed of themselves. <laughs> I can't do this. All this was the legacy of the previous CEO of Australia Post, Ahmed Fahor. Cumulatively, the investment of the family-run licensed post offices represents $3 billion. If the licensed post offices had continued to go broke, the government would be on the hook to step in to make sure the mail was delivered. How does a $3 billion bailout sound? Talk about a misuse of taxpayers' funds. Now let's take a look at Christine Holgate's term as CEO. As reported earlier, Mr Fahor was paid almost three times more than Christine Holgate. Under her, executive compensation overall was reduced by $40 million over three years. She oversaw the concession from the banks mentioned previously, of which $20 million went directly to the government, which means it's the taxpayer's money. And most importantly, she made sure most of the $100 million annually was channelled to the licensed post offices, restoring them to solvency. The executive director of the Community Licensed Post Offices Group, Angela Cramp, has called Christine Holgate the best CEO that Australia Post has ever had. Ms Cramp's group represents a third of licensed post office owners. She saved us and those people who worked on that team. How hard do you think it was to make the CEOs of the banks pay for a service that they had had for years for free? Whatever this is about, it has got nothing to do with bloody watches. Quite right. Whatever this is about, it's got nothing to do with bloody watches. The Citizens Party interviewed Miss Cramp. There is nothing like Christine Holgate. Her leadership. Her quality, her passion, it made a difference to Australia Post. Like we were expected, the, the previous CEO predicted that Australia Post would be $300 million in the red by now. Christine Holgate took the position in 2017 and has turned the business around. She's come in with fresh eyes with a view that she can make a difference, that she can be successful, and she has proven that she can do this. We do not want to go through another learning-on-the-job CEO who is going to spend hundreds of millions of dollars trying things that won't work. On top of all this, you're also providing banking services to the customers of the big banks. Um, and how, what was that like, especially as banks were increasingly closing their branches and, and people in those suburbs would have to go to the post office? What, was, what, what, what effect did that have on, on how the post office operated in, in that, with, with that um, phenomenon happening? Like, it was crippling for us. Um, 
I owned the post office at Lightning Ridge for 15 years. Now, the next town is 80 kilometres away. There is one bank in Lightning Ridge, no other bank. If anyone wanted to come, like if anybody wanted to do their banking for anything but that bank, yeah. they had to come to the post office or travel 160 kilometres round trip. So they chose the post office. The businesses in town would come in and on Monday they had three days taking, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. I would be paying one of my staff to stand at the counter for maybe 20 minutes to count that money and to make that deposit for that local business. I couldn't say I'm not doing this. I paid my staff member for 20 minutes. I got a dollar thirty-eight. Like, yeah. you add up that. And this is, the town needed us to do that. Like, we couldn't say to all of the business customers in town, no, you are crippling me, go away. In my metro ones, the school canteens wanted to come in every day. Like, they come in with a lot of coins, small notes and coins. We would be doing that in our metro office for probably 15 to 20 minutes. And I was getting a dollar thirty-eight for that too. My, my rent in the metro office was a yeah. lot higher. It just was not cost effective. And this is multiplied around the country. As for the timing of the ambush, Ms Cramp addressed that directly. The banker post contract should have been renewed by now. It was about to be um, addressed, I suppose you could say, in, in October. That was one of the things that Christine was about to get into. Okay, here it is. We're February now and nobody's done it. Whose job is it to yeah. go back to the banks Two of the banks signed for three years and one of the banks, Commonwealth, signed for five years. That contract is up yeah. in September this year. It should have already been renewed. Nobody's done it. So, you know, like, where is the executive team that is charged to do this? Yeah. Like, this, the, the executives are still there. It is not their job to do it. Nobody is doing it. It is terrifying for licensees. There is now a political backlash underway. With a growing chorus of political figures, news media personalities and journalists denouncing Morrison and defending Christine Holgate. Of course, the Citizens Party led the way. In our November 4th issue of the Australian Alert Service, we called for Scott Morrison to resign, not Christine Holgate. Here's what we said at the time. Morrison launched a vicious, unjustified and likely premeditated attack on Holgate in Parliament on 22nd of October. It wasn't long before the ice began to break. On the 2nd of December, former Deputy Prime Minister Barnaby Joyce did an abrupt about-face in Parliament and admitted he'd been wrong to condemn Holgate. Perhaps the most withering blast so far has come from Janet Albrechtson of The Australian, who is ordinarily a pro-liberal columnist. She wrote, 
The report's findings expose Scott Morrison's willingness to play low-rent populist politics to bring an end to a person's career to boost his own. The report also reveals a woeful board culture at Australia Post, laced with incompetence and cowardice. Most troubling, it inadvertently lays bare some dark truths about a society that departs from the rule of law and allows those in power to apply fuzzy, unknowable and arbitrary rules for their own purposes. Referring to the contrived pub test, the government ordered the inquiry to apply. The clearest sign that the tide has turned is the behaviour of the Labor Party, which instigated the whole saga through Senator Kimberley Kitching's appalling ambush of Christine Holgate and Australia Post during the Senate estimates on 22 October. Labor is now trying to beat the government to the exit in an attempt to distance itself from the incident and to blame it on Morrison. Take a look at the 30th of January Australian Financial Review, which reported... Labor said the... Departure of Australia Post boss Christine Holgate, who also did nothing wrong, would make it difficult for the government to attract high-caliber people from the private sector. It's monumental incompetence, said Shadow Assistant Treasurer Stephen Jones. Mr Frydenberg and Scott Morrison have destroyed trust with corporate Australia over their confected outrage at waste by senior executives at Australia Post. It was Labor who first complained about Australia Post. In the next segment, we asked solicitor Robert Butler to comment on the report. In addition to being a solicitor, he is also an expert in the history of Australian banking. I think the the report was commissioned with a view to, I think, justifying the attack, particularly by Morrison on Christine Holgate and his calls for her to resign. He probably, at that stage, didn't anticipate anything like the response that the report has generated because of the report's failure to find any impropriety on her part Mm -hmm. and was in the process critical of the board, post office board not Christine Holgate. The board's actions obviously accorded with what the Morrison government wanted of the board. The board members are Liberal Party devotees. Clearly the intention, I I would think, was to change the structure and foundation of the post office so that it's privatisation and sale could be justified. And with that in mind, the policies of the board headed in in that direction and virtually made the post office a basket case. Now, Christine Holgate turned that around totally. And not only did she turn it around, but she then advocated the post office becoming a post office bank. And that was probably the last straw for those who were intent on privatisation of the post office. We interviewed John Dalson, who is a former director of the ANZ Bank and former chairman of Woolworths. We asked for his thoughts on the Christine Holgate affair. 
Now, I am an indirect, as you are, I am an indirect shareholder in Australia Post. And I, in, I applaud what she's done. She's got an extremely difficult job managing this hybrid business, yeah. which, is, which is on the one hand owned by government and providing to one extent a government service, but also fiercely competing with other companies that are very well resourced. So one of her challenges uh, in this hybrid model is to keep her executives fired up. And in the scheme of things, uh, what she's done uh, is fairly small. What distresses me about this transaction is that the board can't see that. And if the board sees its role uh, as delivering value for its shareholders, uh, you and I, uh, and if there's no policy in place which says that she can't do something like that, I think she's acted absolutely correctly. We asked Mr Dalson what he thought about the Australia Post Board's behaviour in this matter. The board claimed they knew nothing about it, but had they known about the Cartier watches, they would have voted against it. Well, well, I think it's small, it's small thinking, um, uh, it's petty and mean-spirited. And I think it's missing the, uh, the overarching issue her of her huge responsibility to lead and motivate her executives. Next, we have ABC News weighing in. They reported that in 2018, there were at least 900 federal public servants who received bonuses worth more than a Cartier watch. Channel 10's political editor, Peter Van Onselen, tweeted on February 4th. So Morrison's thundering outrage at an entirely legitimate decision by then Australia Post CEO Christine Holgate to award $20,000 worth of bonuses has now cost over $350,000 in recruitment fees alone to replace her. He attached a document from the Senate to back it up. As you can see, indeed, it is true. So Scott Morrison is outraged by $20,000 in watches, but doesn't blink an eye spending more than $1 million to investigate and $320,000 to replace Christine Holgate. Whatever this is about, it has got nothing to do with bloody watches. This unjust character assassination is about much more than an honest person's good name being dragged through the mud. It has to do with an issue that affects all Australians. Undoubtedly, her greatest crime was to consider making Australia Post into a bank because that represents competition. Monopolies don't like competition. How would an Australia Post bank function and what would be its benefits? Let's look at this question in terms of legislation already drafted by the Australian Citizens Party. The legislation is entitled the Commonwealth Postal Savings Bank Bill 2021. Going to the background section of the proposed legislation, as you can see, 80% of Australia's banking system is controlled by the Big Four. Apart from their other misdeeds, they also engage in high-risk trading in financial derivatives. These were the things that blew up in the worldwide crisis in 2008. The Banking Royal Commission found that about 28% of the Australian population, nearly 7 million people, 
live in regional or remote areas. But only 4% of all bank branches and only 2% of ATMs were located in these areas. Between 2017 and 2018, the big four banks shut down 196 branches and removed 734 ATMs. This process has greatly accelerated in the last year. The proposed Commonwealth Postal Savings Bank would promote genuine competition in the banking system, as the original Commonwealth Bank did for 85 years from 1911 to its privatisation completed in 1996. Provide basic deposit and loan financial services to all Australians, separated from the risks of investment banking and guaranteed by the government. Ensure rural and regional communities and low-income metropolitan communities have access to financial services through the post office network. Not discriminate against lawful businesses. Support and maintain cash use and availability, which is especially important in rural and regional Australia. The Commonwealth Postal Savings Bank would be an attractive alternative to the private banks for many Australians. It would provide face-to-face retail banking services, easily accessible through post offices. The Commonwealth Postal Savings Bank's operational cost advantage from using existing post offices instead of needing to invest in expensive new branch locations and from enjoying a Commonwealth Government guarantee would enable it to subsidise banking services for Australians who are underbanked and unlikely to be served by existing banks. The legislation provides that the Commonwealth Postal Savings Bank could invest surplus deposits in Commonwealth and state infrastructure projects, including by investing in Commonwealth Government financial institutions. As a postal bank, owned and guaranteed by the Commonwealth and dedicated to providing financial services to all Australians and credit for neglected communities and economic development, the Commonwealth Postal Savings Bank would be a safe alternative to the private financial system and would serve the Australian people and the real economy. Japan Post is an example of a highly successful postal bank. The role of Japan Post was instrumental in enabling Japan to rise out of the rubble after World War II. We interviewed Daisuke Kodagawa, who held key positions in Japan's Ministry of Finance for decades. We asked him to comment on the differences between the private banks and Japan Post. Would Japan Post invest in projects that the private sector were not prepared to lend to? The difference between economic return and financial return. Financial return means if a company runs a business, that company has to have financial return, which would justify its business by way of uh, the profits, right? Um, But as a society, you have to also know the notion of the economic uh, return. That is, for example, if you improve the, the, the road, which is basically public, of course, you cannot make money out of constructing, I think, uh, I think road. Yeah. But if the, uh, the, the time of travel for anybody who would like to go 
through that kind of roads would be shortened, then society as a whole, it will have a big gain as the uh, saved, uh, saved time. And so, so this economic return, uh, any, kind of, any kind of project that has an economic return have to be considered by the, by the government. Well, uh, although they are not fungible by the, by the, by the private and commercial banks. There are many such projects in Australia. Large-scale water projects are high up on the list. To summarise then, we hope you can see the truth about the Christine Holgate affair. It is vital for the good of the nation that she be reinstated. And the Australian people deserve a more just, safe and accessible banking alternative. By doing so, we can build Australia and create large numbers of well-paid jobs by launching infrastructure projects that the Australia Post Bank can help to finance. We would not need to resort to foreign funding. Please sign our petition calling for the creation of this bank. Go to the website shown below. You can also find the link in the description section of this video. For more details on the bank, visit our website. Thank you for watching.